we're going to have some gratuitous sex and violence. You guys always bring me the very best violence. No relationship. No emotion. Just sex. Exciting episode of Gratuitous Sex and Violence, the podcast where we sink our teeth into a filmmaker's past and dredge up all the naughty bits that they hoped would lay hidden, entombed forever! <laughs> that was excellent. That was so good. Nothing else will ever be as good as that. <laughs> when in doubt, go big. Exactly. My name is Orlando. I'm joined by my roommate, co-host, and guest, Ned. How's it going, Ned? The Nedster? It's going so much Netting better 10. now. <laughs> it's going so much better now. All is well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of the very first movies that we saw, in fact, I believe it was our second episode, was uh, Serenity which was written and directed by Joss Whedon, and of mm-hmm. course uh, is it was a continuation, a conclusion to his much-loved cult series, Firefly. Yeah, yes, indeed. We, 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 we hardly knew you, Serenity. <laughs> and one of the things that our listeners discovered on that fateful podcast and became really well acquainted with us as we continued to talk about movies, specifically any time that we encountered any form of vampirism in the movies, was how much we absolutely love Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yeah, it's it, it, it pretty much, yeah, is, is an impulse that I have in every episode where I'm just like, how can I relate this to Buffy the Vampire I mean, Slayer? Which is like, right. which is my, it's it's my favorite of every single incarnation of creature feature tropes. Right. Like, it's just like, for me, it's, it's so perfect. It's, it's really so good. good. Well, I mean, it's not perfect, but like, it's good. It's so good. And tonight we're going to have ample opportunities to compare this movie to Buffy the oh, Vampire Slayer. my God. Because we're actually watching Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh my god! <laughs> this is not, of, of course, we're not watching the TV show. We're watching the 1992 American black comedy fantasy horror film directed by Fran Rubel Kazui and starring Christy Swanson, Donald Sutherland, Paul Rubens, Rutger Hauer, Luke Perry, and Hilary Swank. This movie was, of course, Written by Joss Whedon, it was one of his very first professional gigs. Was the selling and involvement of of him in this movie, and his dissatisfaction with this movie actually was what led to the creation of the much more successful and critically acclaimed Buffy the Vampire Slayer TV show. Mm-hmm. So we have this movie to thank for that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. For those of you who don't know the story of Buffy. Uh, This movie follows a valley girl cheerleader whose name is Buffy, who learns that it is her fate to hunt vampires. Now, I'm a bit of a completionist, so I have seen this movie a few times, and I've seen the TV series. I think I've seen it in its entirety probably, like, I would say maybe like three or four times. Maybe not all together, but like bits and pieces and stuff. Um, I've definitely done like a couple of dedicated binges of the whole thing. Um, I know that you love the series. Have you ever seen the movie? 
Uh, I've seen the series in its entirety probably like three or so times now. It's always been a complete binge mm -hmm. for me. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I think pretty much every time I've binged it, it's been like in tandem with the show Angel as well, the spinoff. Okay. Um, as far as this very important uh, volume <laughs> in the whole... In the whole Collected works. Mm -hmm. um, no, I have not seen the original wow. Buffy the Vampire Slayer movie, which is like interesting too because it, the impression that I get from the show is that the show seems to kind of sort of make reference to the events as they play out yeah. in this film. So the film does almost serve as something of a prequel, though right. obviously different people very and different. a very different creative vision. Mm -hmm. um, but, uh, and, yeah. And the story was per, uh, retconned pretty heavily. Yeah. But there is... There are definitely elements that are alluded to in the show that this is essentially Buffy's origin. Yeah. Uh, in fact, there there was a graphic novel that came out after the show was released called Origin, okay. which was basically that artist's attempt to reconcile the movie and the show. And basically was a retelling of the events of the movie, but using all of the information from the show, the mythology that was established in the show. And Joss Whedon has said that even though the comic or the graphic novel still isn't perfect, he did say that it was closer to his vision for the movie than the movie turned out to be. Oh, that's that's really interesting. Mm -hmm. um, I, I will also say that in spite of my love of the show, I actually still have not gotten too deep into the graphic novels around the show mm -hmm. either. So right. um, a lot Which of Which are the, pretty good. Yeah, that's the thing. I've heard they're excellent, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely missing out on some of that additional lore and stuff too. But uh, we'll see how much of that relates to this. We'll see how much of it doesn't. This is another movie that's uh, directed by... A female director, which is always, I think, a, a treat um, whenever yeah. we've come across that. So it'll be interesting to kind of like dissect um, how those sensibilities come across in the movie. Uh, and then, of course, I feel like uh, anything that I would like say about what's interesting in the movie would basically be predicated on how we um, compare it to the TV show. So I'm just going to say that the most interesting thing about this discussion tonight is going to be how we compare it to the TV show. Okay, absolutely. <laughs> well, also, it's like very early 90s, so right. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely going to be looking out for some of the music. I'm going to be looking out for... Uh, just like the general sort of early 90s aesthetic, um, especially as compared to like, say a movie like Tank Girl, right. like from sort of the mid 90s, so. And even the TV show, which started like in the late 90s. Exactly, so uh, yeah, no, there's uh, yeah, there's definitely gonna be quite, quite a few things that I think will be fun to look out for. Yeah, so without further ado, mm -hmm. are you ready to watch Buffy the Vampire Slayer? Mm-hmm, got my steak. All right. Well, you mean like S-T-E-K steak or S-T-E-A-K or S-T-A-K? Pointy thing. Mr. Pointy steak. S-T-A-K-E. I know, maybe you're hungry. Maybe you're going to eat some steak. I don't know. Look, I'm not a man of means. Some bloody, bloody steak. Some of that bloody steak, yes. For you folks at home who want to play along, this movie is available to stream for free if you have a subscription to Hulu. If you do not have Hulu... Then you can rent it. It's uh, pretty cheaply available because although this movie was a mild, moderate box office success, it wasn't very well liked critically, so it's cheap. 
you can rent it on Amazon or Fandango. Mm-hmm. Uh, rent it, enjoy it, and if you haven't seen this and or the and or the TV show, then please watch the TV show. Obviously, yeah, go watch the show, everyone. So we will be back after the break. We will play some trivia and discuss the movie at length. We'll see y'all on the other side. Mm-hmm. I hope we're going to have some gratuitous sex and violence. You guys always bring me the very best violence. No relationship. No emotion. Just sex. We are back! Yeah! We just watched Buffy the Vampire Slayer! Yeah. 1.0. 1.0, yeah. <laughs> the, 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 the initial release build. <laughs> First reactions. Um, underbaked. Underbaked. Like, almost everything about this movie it, it, I mean, it's, it is tough. Like, I think we acknowledged before we started this that, like, there's going to be a lot of comparison between this and the show. That's the whole episode, yeah. <laughs> and, um, and that's fine because, again, this, you know, it's not like the show is an adaptation of another person's work. Like, the show yeah. is, the show is the continued progression of, uh, Josh Sweden and Fran Kazooie's, uh, uh, you know, sort of collective vision right. for the character. Mm-hmm. Um, so this movie is definitely a first draft. And um, so my impression from it is that I think that I see the most potential in the writing. I do think that the script, you know, somewhat strong right. for the movie, especially in terms of, like, the hinting at the broader lore. It's clear that they had a lot of ideas about, like, this, about the history of the Slayer and the battle against the vampires. Um, and and uh, and it's clear they gave a lot of thought to that. Um, I think that the big stumbling block for the movie is that they... They clearly had a vision for it of this kind of campy, you know, comedy meets monster flick hybrid. Like, they wanted it to be campy, they wanted it to be a monster flick, and they wanted it to be com- to, to be funny and, mm-hmm. to be, and to have kind of like a light, breezy teen comedy feel to it. Right. Um, the problem is that... They they didn't go far enough. And I mean, I, I, I guess part of it is that like in seeing what they did with the show, it's like you can see in this movie that they don't necessarily go far enough in terms of like giving it seriousness which actually drags down on the film because there are a lot of pretty serious scenes yeah, in it. there are. And so the fact that they aren't really fully committing to, like, you know, drawing out these characters and really sort of owning up to the seriousness of the situation as much as they could, it means that you go back and forth between these kind of, like, kitschy comedic beats and then just flatness Mm -hmm. um also it's definitely clearly a 
it, it's a pretty visibly low budget project for sure. Yeah. So like, I would say so. Yeah. So it's it's clear that they didn't have the resources that they needed to like make the fighting work and to like. You don't need a big budget to have good fighting, but there were there was almost like because I feel like. Okay, let me just say before I get into that, because I do have quite a bit to say about that. Yeah. Maybe that's more reserved for the violence section. But I I do want to say that I, I feel like the problem with the movie over like the cheapness of it, because I'm not against... We've seen cheap movies that are good. For sure, for sure. I feel like the problem of the movie is... For, there's, there's two big problems for me. Like, first of all... Um, what you said about the tone, uh, because I feel like the, the actual, the, like the serious bits, the character bits, like you were saying when we were watching it, that there's a lot of the movie that seems character driven. Yeah. And that is pretty strong compared to the comedy bits. Like, I wish that the movie had focused on that. Like, I feel like the character bits, whenever it does slow down and it is serious and we have moments between characters where they're just like talking yeah. I'm actually invested in that. I'm not really invested when they try to be campy or jokey. The second problem, and it relates to the problem with tone, the second big problem is a pacing issue. The movie's an hour, 25 minutes, and it just drags the whole way through. There's not... And and it's not a, a because of the content. It's because of the energy behind it. There is no energy behind it. The The actors are fine, yeah. I actually like Christy Swanson as Buffy. I agree. She's good. And she, I and you were saying Donald Sutherland. Like, I mean, he's done this. Donald Sutherland. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, Donald Sutherland and, and uh, Christy Swanson are both very good. Um, I think that there was a lot of potential in um, the ultimate romantic interest of Buffy. Yeah, Luke Perry. Luke Perry. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, no, the movie really drags. It does drag. It really drags. There's no energy. Yeah. That's the well, big that's the issue. Thing. Well, that's the thing. And and yeah, and I feel like it's just it's and 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 it's like also the comedy Yeah, I think you definitely do. You de- you definitely do. I think you are right the more I'm thinking about it. Like that that like there is a lot of potential in terms of the serious stuff mm-hmm. and um yeah, it's just it's more that it's more that it feels like they're trying to do two different movies almost. Almost. Like, because because the comedy is so out of place in yeah. comparison to... Like, like I think where the show is so successful is that, like, by the time they got around to really developing the show, and, and also, like, the show had a somewhat rocky first season. So right, but it, it was still it, way better than yeah, this. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. I, I would definitely say the, the first season was already a much more complete idea of what the show was going for. Um, but I think that, like, what the show basically figured out was, like, that the comedy... The comedy is stronger when the comedy is also rooted in the characters. I agree. And, with and that. when it and when it and when it actually is it, when it actually arises from the situations. It felt like in this, there's a lot of just like it's a kind of serious situation, and then we're just gonna throw vampires yucking it up for the camera on right. top of it. Right. And like, and the thing is, like, there is a good serious story in here. 
because of like this idea of Buffy like being somebody who's growing up before the rest of her friends. Yeah. Like I think that stuff was definitely really poignant. Right. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like the character stuff I think is really strong. And I feel like so, so there's, there's an instinct I feel for an, I guess for any artist, but like when you think about storytelling, I, I feel like a trap, I'll say, not an instinct, I'll tra- a trap that you may fall into, yeah. is that if you're trying to go for something serious, you have to slow it down. Um, yeah. And I feel like the movie, while it was trying to go for more campy comedy thing over the seriousness, it made it fell into the trap because it slowed down the comedy to the level that they were playing the serious bits too. Yeah. And so the comedy was dragging as well as the seriousness. It felt like even more dragging because instead of going back and forth and complimenting each other, it just felt like the movie wasn't really going anywhere. Whereas in the show, I think what Joss tapped into and and what's great about his work in general is that he realized that even the serious stuff can be played at the same energy level that you want your comedy. And that actually makes it stronger because if you're playing the the serious stuff at the same energy level, then it's it's just going to like come naturally, like you said, from the action. That's happening. Yeah. Like, the, it's like the comedy, like, you're playing it on this heightened level, and then they say a quip, and it doesn't feel out of place because you're already at that energy level. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think that this this is also kind of, I think that's also the lesson that they had to learn about the nature of camp a little mm-hmm. bit, you know, about, like, the nature of, of, of you know, producing something that is kitschy and that does have a kind of a low budget feel to mm-hmm. it which is that like in order for camp to be sold you can't you you have to do it earnestly you do yeah and and that's i think the big difference between this movie and what we got in the show is that like I think that, like, yeah, when they tried to do the comedy stuff, there is a sort of a cynicalness to it. There's a right. bit of a, like, the people get that, like, when they're doing the funny bits, they're being funny bits. And yeah. it's, it's for the purpose of adding funny bits. Whereas, like, yeah, whereas, like, by the time we get to the show, it's it the stakes are real for everybody. Mm-hmm. And everybody is fully invested in all of that stuff. And and yeah, and I think that's what that's what is missing is like an urgency. Like yeah, there's an the, urgency, the urgency to the show. And I think that like even with the serious stuff that does kind of work in the movie, we're still not there necessarily is no we're not we're still not getting that sense of urgency. Yeah, there really um, isn't. Yeah. We're getting good performances, but like Low energy performance. Very low energy. Very low energy that, performance. That would be my main complaint with this movie. It's like the content itself may not be bad, but it's just presented very bad. Yeah. You know, there's just like no, there's no reason to make me want to watch the movie because. Yeah, that's a thing. Yeah. Like it just, yeah. It's, it just like slugs around. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's kind of, yeah, it's kind of slow and kind of boring. Yeah. Like, and, and that's disappointing. It is disappointing because when you think about it, the events in the movie are not boring. It's just presented in a very boring yeah. way. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. 
But like you said, and I completely agree with you, it's this is basically this is not so much an origin story as it is a first draft of yeah, the character. Very much. And so. I'm glad that they got another opportunity to get it right, honestly. Yeah, same. I yeah, I mean, yeah, just my love of the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it and and all the more so having seen this now, like, boy, thank goodness that thank goodness it didn't die with this project. And if I'm um, being honest with you, uh, the movie, the only I still find enjoyment in watching the movie despite yeah. its faults, but only because I saw it after the show. Okay. And so I can look back on it relating it to the show and then that's that's where I find enjoyment in it. If I had seen this movie first, I don't know if I would like it as much as I do because I know because I know it's not a good movie. Yeah, but I still enjoy it. But it's only because I have the show as a context. Yeah, to I think that's fair. Yeah, and that's the thing is that I I I don't think there's a way that I'm gonna be able to think about this movie outside of the context right. of the show. And and I think that there would be a better chance of me doing that if it weren't for the fact that if if it weren't for the fact that the movie is also written by Joss Whedon. Right. So it's like it's kind of inescapable. It's, yeah, yeah. It's it's yeah, like like I mentioned at the beginning, like it's not an adaptation. It's mm-hmm. not like it's not like the show is Joss Whedon taking this taking a story and and doing something different with it. Right. It's all still his story. Right. It's just that the show is more developed and mm-hmm. more and um and also I think like, you know, by the time the show came around, they they also found the perfect cast for it too. Yeah. Um and and yeah, so it's yeah. So yeah, the movie. there was a uh, so the the show um, premiered in '97, and this movie was '92. So you know, five years. It yeah. took five years to get it right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we'll talk more about the movie here in a second. But first, let's play some Buffy the Vampire Slayer trivia. Oh boy, oh boy, we're gonna. I don't know. I don't know how well this is gonna go for me. Really. Mm-hmm. You have trouble paying attention to the details? Yeah, because cause again, it's it's a pretty flat movie. It so is pretty flat. Details don't pop out. Yeah, but there are a few things here. Uh, let's see how you do. As always, this is going to be five questions and a bonus. Mm-hmm. Um, the questions go in order from least difficult to most difficult. And the grand prize is bragging rights. Oh, boy. Here comes question number one. Yeah. What is Buffy's school mascot? It is the hog. The hogs. The first thing I noticed about the movie is just all the H's. Just H's all over the gym. And and, and the the, terrible hog mascot. Yeah, that was pretty pretty awful. Yeah, and the first shot of it, like, as it kind of, like, dances in front of the table of teachers, it's, like, the angle that the camera's looking at it, like, really made me think that, like the hog might have been a vampire Uh, underneath like it was an ominous camera angle and an ominous establishing shot so i was not sure what was going on there turns out nothing was going what was your school mascot uh we had uh it was the binghamton patriots Ooh, so basically like the new england patriots yeah a little bit a little bit we just kind of just kind of stole the fucking Patriots. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have like a little Patriot guy or something? Yeah, yeah. A little fucking, uh, you know, Revolutionary War looking mm. motherfucker. Yeah. Mine was the the Wildcat. 
Okay. The River Road Wildcats. The River Road Wildcats. That's that's hard. That's hard to say. River Road Wildcats. Yeah. That's you know that's gives you a workout. Yeah. We had we basically it was basically a cougar like a plushy cougar nice. costume. Nice. But yeah, it was fun. What what were your school colors? Um, I think it was just red, white, and blue. Like really. Yeah, I think. <laughs> I mean, that would make sense. I don't sense. know. I, it's so long ago. It's usually it feels two, so long it's ago. It's usually two colors, but they would make sense. Yeah. Mine were... Maybe uh, it was just red and blue. Mine were uh, red... Uh, not red. Sorry. Lies. Purple and gold. We were the Lakers colors. Ooh, I like purple and gold. That's mm-hmm. good. That's good colors. All well right. Done. Let's go to question number two. This is related to the first question, so it shouldn't be hard. Keeping it easy. Wow. What is the theme of the dance? The theme of the dance is the environment. Do you remember the slogan, though? The specific theme for the uh, dance? Oh, it was uh, hug the <laughs> earth. Hug the world. Hug the world. There we go. You got it. Thank you. And there was, a, there was a little guy hugging. Or yeah, the little, earth hugging a little, himself. A little hog hugging the earth. Yeah. Um, yeah. No. How and, cute. And again, helpful for the H's. Like, right. I, I, and, and boy, I'm, I'm hoping you're not going to ask me what the name of the high school was because I noted the name of the high school in front of the building of the town also they were in and I missed it. So I think it was Healy actually. Healy, that's you're right. Mm-hmm. You're right. That's what it was. Uh, now the original script, you actually mentioned this. Um, the original script by Joss Whedon was heavily rewritten in the making of this movie okay. to make the movie lighter. In the original script, Buffy burns down the school gym in which the dance is being held in an effort to destroy the vampires. In Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the TV show, this fact is referred to several times as the series is seen as a spinoff of the original unproduced screenplay rather than the movie itself. Okay, now that makes sense. Yeah, I was was commenting about this before we started rolling. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that like... uh, yeah, there was all these references in the show, especially in the pilot, to the fact that Buffy burned down the gym, mm-hmm. and so yep. I was really looking forward to a big climactic fire raging at the end of this movie, which did not happen. Yeah, I, I was that would so have been sure. a cool ending. Yeah, well, that's the thing, and I and again, I knew that there were some retcons. I knew that there were some retcons and stuff like that, but I figured like, okay, if they're dropping this in the pilot, if it's a pilot episode, then they must be trying to pay lip service directly to the right, movie. Right. To tie it into the movie a little bit. Turns out they didn't. No. They didn't do that at all. And that would have been a, a great finale, I think, because I think, like, again, like everything in this movie, the finale is really flat. Well, it's just, yeah, it's just like, it's like, yeah, a bunch of vampires fucking attack the dance, yeah. which is like, it. that's that's like a genuine moment to, right. like, put some stakes in your yeah. fucking movie. Little no stakes. pun intended. <laughs> um, medium rare, bloody, put some bloody stakes in your fucking fucking movie um but they didn't yeah. they just kind of like the vampires just like chilled outside the doors because they apparently couldn't get in except they could beca- because they said that they were invited right and they didn't go in anyway the like, seniors could get in apparently because well, they were yeah, the seniors were just, invited oh okay that's what it was so like <laughs> yeah it just they it, yeah there's a lot of muddled storytelling going on there and then they again they threw in all this weird comedy business like yeah. the vampire djing and just, right like which again, very low energy. Everything it was so yeah, weird. Yeah, it so was weird. boring. It was 
was kind of boring. I'm yeah. Here comes question number three. This is a fill-in-the-blank question. Ooh. This is one of Buffy's uh, lines, probably one of the best lines in the movie, okay. in my, my opinion. Uh, so fill in the blank. My birthright, is that like a blank or something? <laughs> uh, trust fund. Correct! It's trust fund! Yeah. <laughs> I did like that line. All the, all the stuff between her and, and the Watcher, I mean, that's a highlight from the show, too. That's... I think that the idea yeah. again the ideas behind it Joss Whedon had a great idea and I'm glad that he got to pursue it further yeah I was also intrigued by the idea that the movie seemed to be sort of leaning into a little more of a like more of a like a direct reincarnation type deal yeah for both of them like that yeah that like both of them like that that it is her in each previous yeah. incarnation. Right. Although that was a little off too, because then there is also reference to the fact that she was a slave in Virginia. So yeah, like she, she could change, I guess, her race and stuff. Yeah. So so yeah. So so that was interesting. Consider yeah, considering the fact that like in the I'm in glad the dream we did not because we saw her in, in several flashbacks. I'm glad yeah. we did not see that flashback. Yeah. I yeah, can only that, imagine how. That could Problematic yeah, that could have been. gone into a bad direction. Um, <laughs> but that was interesting that, yeah, that both, it, it sounded like both the Watcher and the Vampire Slayer reincarnate. Yeah. And, and that the Watcher, I guess, specifically inherits all of the knowledge, too. Right. Too bad the Slayer doesn't. How convenient. Yeah. Right? Convenient or inconvenient. Uh, yeah, I mean... Oh, you need you need you need an excuse to keep the watchers. I mean, that's a thing. As the as the show as the show kind of makes clear as it develops, there's you know there the the watchers council is not necessarily completely faultless. Or, uh, you're and, right. And they and they do kind of they are kind of like you know a bit of a a bit of a a war industrial complex type thing to propagate their own power as well. So that is one of the yeah. uh, another another way that I think that the show improves on the mythology of the movie is is that I feel like by having instead of being one watcher and one slayer by it being a council and something that's passed down yeah. and then by the slayer being more of like you know the a gift rather than the actual soul Person, right yeah. then I feel like that fixes it you still have like the same kind of idea, but then it, it fixes a lot of the problems that this movie has yeah. from having like it be the same people. Yeah, you know, agreed, agreed. It was an interesting idea. Yeah, it was, it was, it was very a, interesting. Yeah, but um, and and uh, well, and also because um, there there's, I I felt like something was missing from the final cut in terms of uh, in terms of. The Slayer and Lothos. Hmm. Um, it wasn't developed very well. It wasn't developed very well, but there was this kind of this this whole weird dialogue going on where um, where the Watcher says to Lothos, "No, she's not ready yet," and it's like it's like kind of implied that this that like there's this cycle where the Slayer has to go to the Master and be killed or something like right. that. And yeah, they never really fully explained why that was. But and, also, and, and, and then also the the fact that the watcher is then like, 
don't you know don't do it right do it wrong and right stuff like that so it's like it's like kind of hinting at that there is this cycle that buffy is breaking out of but they never really fully explain what the cycle but also is. does lothos know that she's a slayer in that moment because then we have a scene later on where amelin played by paul rubens peewee herman uh, where he tells lothos that the slayer is revealed so did, did they not know that Buffy was the Slayer previously and now they do? Like, that part was never clear to me. Yeah, how that yeah, it got, yeah, it got a little messy. Yeah. It got a little messy. Anyway, let's go to question number four. You're yes. doing fantastic. You yeah. thought you weren't going to do well. I've got the bragging rights, I guess, but now I want all let's of them. Let's see how much you can get. This yes. is about, this question is about Donald Sutherland's character. According to Merrick Jameson Smythe, also I love how he establishes the rule that they're all going to have like these obnoxious three name names. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like it too. Uh, according to Merrick Jameson Smythe, what is the cardinal rule? The cardinal rule. Wait. Fuck. Oh shit. He, he says it multiple times, doesn't he? He only says it once. Okay. It's when he's training her. Is training her in the cardinal rule. Ooh. Oh, oh, um. Wait, no. I'm not sure. You want to take a stab at it? Um. I'm gonna say. I, I don't think this is it because he doesn't say this during the training sequence, mm-hmm. but uh, I, I'll i just say, um, no, it couldn't be that. Like the line that he says when he dies, when, when the music stops, all is silence. It's not that. So that is not your answer. So it's not my answer. <laughs> so the cardinal rule is uh, uh, don't, don't don't go down an alley. Don't go down a blind alley. We'll say because he 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 does he does tell her off for that. I know that's not the cardinal rule though. That's just him specifically being like, don't go down a blind alley. It's related to that. Oh oh uh, okay. So it's uh one vampire is easier to kill than ten. Yep, that's it. One vampire is easier to kill. Than ten. Okay. I'll give you half a point for that. That's fine. That's <laughs> totally fine because I because yeah. it did kind of help you out a little. Bit. A little bit, yeah. That's, but you were on the right track with the alley. Yeah. It is kind of a dumb cardinal rule, I think. Really, that's the cardinal. That's the rule? one. That's the one. <laughs> you can't think of a better cardinal. Do it rule? one at a time. <laughs> like. And 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 her response is perfect. I think she's basically like, "Well, duh." Yeah. Like right. So. Yeah, I think, yeah, you need a better cardinal rule. Now, in the original version of the script, Merrick commits suicide uh, to escape being turned into a vampire by Lothos. Wow. Who wants to know the Slayer's identity so he can dispatch her. It is Wait. This- so she, so he doesn't know who she is. I don't know that whole scene because, like, when the I think it's clear in the original version because in the original version he wants to know the identity, and so Merrick kills himself 
before revealing the identity. But in this version, it kind of becomes wishy-washy because that doesn't happen. Yeah, that doesn't happen. And then they have the encounter in the where in, he kind of knows in the park, and then Merrick says she's not ready. Right. Even yeah, it's very murky. Yeah, very murky. This is the version, the the suicide version. It's restored in the Buffy origin comic. Okay. Now, screenwriter Joss Whedon has mentioned this many times. He found Donald Sutherland extremely difficult to be around. Sutherland rewrote most of his dialogue and scenes, often making the scenes incomprehensible in Whedon's opinion. Uh, Whedon praised Sutherland's abilities as an actor, but called his behavior rude and Sutherland a dick. Hmm, interesting. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, yeah, I... Yeah, there is a bit of a lack of... There is a bit of a lack of punch to yeah. his lines, like, in the movie. Again, like, it's very lackadaisical. It's very, very <laughs> flat. Very, right. Like... Yeah. yeah. I, I feel like, uh, you know... I'd be inclined to believe Joss Whedon. I feel like, like Giles, and even even Wesley, um, especially, I feel like, in, in Angel, but even in, in Buffy, yeah. like, they still have, like, n- nice little quippiness about them, you yeah, know? Yeah, exactly. They're, like, they're squares. They're, mm-hmm. like, squares, but, like, you know, they but, they... but they play off of... Right. They still play off of the liveliness of Buffy and her friends very well. There was only one scene in this that kind of reminded me of that repartee. And again, I generally did like uh, Christy Swanson and Donald Sutherland together. I liked their chemistry and those scenes were interesting with me. But the only scene that really reminded me of like, oh yeah, that's like the Buffy dynamic is when he finally tells a joke. Yes, I was going to say that that scene was good. Right. Um... And yeah, then, yeah. Then she teases him for it. Like that's that's what we want to see. We want to see more of that because yeah. I didn't. And we don't get a lot of that. And, right. and, and really, no sense of relationship between them. I, which makes I felt her... nothing when she loses him. Yeah, yeah. And it should have been a bigger moment because he's basically like the Mister Miyagi of this yeah. movie. Yeah, I agree. I agree with this. All right. I just wanted to feel things. Come on, people. Make me feel things. Okay, one more question. Yeah. Okay, so you're not doing bad. Not bad. Got yeah, three, three and a half. Yeah, three and a half. Three and a half. I'm Here okay comes with this. question number five. This <sighs> happens near the beginning of the movie. Oh boy. Buffy makes a C plus on a test, which includes a question about which country's history. Oh, uh, about Spain's history. Wrong! It's El Salvador. Oh, fudge. But yes. she says. But she says. What do I know about Spain? Right. God damn it. Good. She makes the mistake. She makes the mistake. Hence, you made the mistake. And I made the mistake. (laughs) I was led astray. I was led astray by Buffy's frivolity. How dare you, Buffy? Uh, How how, dare you? Yeah. Damn it. El Salvador. El Salvador. Yeah. Uh, Buffy is what another interesting thing about this movie is she's a she plays a senior or she is a senior in Emory High School in this movie, which is two years older than the Buffy and Bumpy, the Vampire Slayer, the TV show, who starts Sunnydale High School as a sophomore. Ah, another retcon. Mm -hmm. Good point. Yeah. And that makes sense. I feel like we're I mean, you wouldn't. Yeah, we we want some time in high school. Um, 
Yeah, that said, I mean, again, like, you know, they never actually get high school-aged people to play people in high school, so yeah, in a way it makes more sense for this movie because they're everybody's closer obviously... They're in age, yeah, right. But um, otherwise, yeah, no, definitely a good point. <laughs> All right, here comes the bonus question. Yes. You could use a little maybe bonus here. Yeah, just to bolster my... You know. You know, bolster, bolster <laughs> it up. Like, yeah, I, I think it could be helpful. As always, the bonus kind of strays a little bit from the world of the film proper, and it's about behind the scenes a little bit more. Uh, this is a really interesting question, and I'm, and I'm going to be flabbergasted if you even get it, but let's okay. see. Okay, Let's yeah, see. Let's see. Hopefully. Hopefully. Who is the only regular cast member... From Buffy, the TV show, who also makes an appearance in the movie. <laughs> oh. oh no! Oh no! Hmm. Hmm. Wait. Hmm. All right. This can't. Okay. They are a regular in the show? In the show, they are a regular. <clears throat> when we say that they are a regular, mm -hmm. do you mean that they were, like, a part of the cast that um, appears in the opening credits? At sequence? one point in the show, they appeared on the opening credit sequence. And they were in this. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a shot in the dark. Uh-huh. This is a shot in the dark. <laughs> I'm going to say Tommy Strong. It is not Tommy Strong. Okay, too bad. Because he does appear in the opening credits only once <laughs> in the series, in well, that one episode well, where did, he's the hero. I didn't mean that he, they would but, only appear only once. Yeah, okay, fair. They do appear in several... Okay, okay, that's fair, that's over, fair. Over the course um, of maybe a couple of seasons. Oh my god, is it's not... Um, I, I'm, I'm not going to do this for the point now, but just, just to actually <laughs> okay. guess. Um, it's, uh, it's not... Um, Oh my god, what's his name? The guy who plays Spike, is it? Uh, James Marsden. James Marsden. It is not James Marsden. Okay. Who is it? Seth Green, who plays Oz on the TV show. Oh my god, Seth Green is in Seth this? Seth Green. Oh my god. Despite claiming that he was cut from the movie, Seth Green does appear in it, although it's just for three seconds. And for two of the seconds, he is seen from behind. He is the short, red-haired vampire that gets kicked by Buffy outside the gym when a group of vampires, including him, are taunting her. You can recognize him by his haircut alone. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Seth Green. Now, along with actor Chai Mui Lo, who plays an unnamed vampire in this movie, Seth Green is the only other actor from this movie to appear in Buffy. Uh, Choi Min Lo was not a season, a season regular or, or a regular of any kind. He had a one scene role as Craig Fong in the Buffy season seven episode, Storyteller. Okay, interesting. 
I was wondering about this because again, '90s movies. So, right. um, you know, I figured I figured somebody must appear in it. Like, yeah. and especially because Joss Whedon is one of those uh, directors who brings yeah, he uses friends back right. and and uses a lot of people regularly. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, speaking of weird singular appearances. Ben fucking Ben Affleck. Affleck in one of his early roles. And he actually has a line, too. Yeah, he just has Good a line. Him. I guess, I, I don't know. I would have thought he would have been way too big for such a for such a specific one-shot appearance. That was before he was anything. Yeah? Yeah. 92? So he, he wasn't big? He wasn't big in 92? No. Wow. That's, he was not. That is so weird. I have only ever known Ben Affleck as a big actor. I cannot conceive of, like, this appearance as, like, you know, a formative early thing. Like, like I would have expected him, like, even if it was a smaller role, to at least be on the level of, like, Hillary Swank, you know? Like, a few scenes like right. or something like that. Yeah, this so. was also, like, a very early role for Hillary Swank also. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, she funny, was, she funny was, role. Yeah, yeah, she was fun yeah, in she, it. Yeah, she, I mean, you know, again, underbaked. Like, you know, the whole movie is underbaked. So, you know, it's not a particularly well-written role. But, like, yeah, she sold the hell out of it. So. so this was actually Ben Affleck's third movie. He had done The Dark End of the Street in 81. Okay. Uh, he did School Ties in 1992, which is the same year that this movie came out. And, uh, that yeah, that was it. Uh, he was a little more prominent than the following year in, a, in the movie called Days and Confused, which is actually a pretty good movie. Oh, yeah. He did Mall Rats in 95, Chasing Amy 97. That's where we're actually yeah, getting more yeah, notoriety. Yeah, he's but the thing that really launched him to superstar you know, level was that same year, 97, when he co-wrote and co-starred in Goodwill Hunting. And then the following year, 98, he was in Shakespeare in Love. By then, he was like pretty solidly... A list. He also appeared in Armageddon that year. Nice. So yeah, this, I forgot he was in Shakespeare in Love. That's so weird. He was really good in Shakespeare in Love too. Oh my god, that's a great movie. I love Shakespeare in Love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, this was like his third movie ever. Yeah. Absolutely. So when Whedon was involved in the production in an advisory position after he wrote the script, and you know, the, him and the director kind of developed the character together. Yeah. And then he stayed on in an advisory uh, position, but he left angrily after being dis- becoming dissatisfied with the direction that the film was taking. Executives at 20th Century Fox removed many of Whedon's jokes, believing that the humor was too abstract for audiences. They also disliked the darker elements in Whedon's original script, wanting to make it a lighter comedy. That led to Whedon finally walking off the set. <laughs> I mean, that's <laughs> yeah, that's that's kind of funny. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, that like just that kind of weird executive mentality of yeah. like we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna pare away the jokes, but also we're gonna make it not so serious. Like, it doesn't make any sense. Fucking, like, <laughs> pick a fucking lane. Like, it's like your jokes suck, so we're gonna go with this type of humor, but we're gonna get rid of all of like the dark stuff that would have supported your humor to begin with. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. It's like it's crazy, and we're left with just a really flat movie. 
Yeah, really. Like, that's the thing. Like, because, because, yeah, there's just like, there's no peaks and valleys to yeah. it, you know? Like, there's, uh, yeah, it just, it just, it's just flat and it just drags. Like, even, that's what I'm thinking. Like, you know, it, it, it we were talking bef- bef- uh, before we watched the movie about it's another it's another '90s movie, so we we're expecting the soundtrack to be good, and the soundtrack is good. Yeah, it's pretty good. But like when you compare it to like other movies that we've seen, it left you know another flawed movie that we saw recently, Tank Girl, whose which soundtrack is amazing, and that movie is a ton of fun because yeah. it has so much zany energy. Like everything just pops. And, yeah. in, and in this movie, even though the soundtrack is good, there's like no energy in the imagery supporting it. So it feels flat, too. Yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> like, I think if if they wanted something zany, then like, yeah, they could have at least gone in the tank girl direction, yeah. you know, like just go balls to the wall. Right. With it and 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 like immerse us in the world. Like, that's the thing mm-hmm. is that like there's not really a sense of like world or a sense of right. place to this movie. Yeah, not like really. there's there's hinting at the lore and they definitely do a good job of like, you know, establishing the lore and the serious scenes. But like, you know. Clearly, they're trying to do this weird thing where, like, these vampires are just fucking goofy as hell. Yeah. And, and it just, yeah, it just kind of falls flat. Because it's like, again, like, they're the main antagonist of your movie. So, like, they need to be somewhat threatening. And, like, right. yeah, they kill a few people. But, like, you know, Buffy never really has a problem, like, for the entire movie. And there's never anything that they do that's really threatening mm-hmm. other than, like, when she faces down Lothos and he kind of hypnotizes her, but not really. Right. Like, it's so just... So weird. So weird. Yeah. And, and boy, what a... what a Yeah, what a waste of... I mean, like, it was a good performance, the, the actor who played Lothos. Rutger Hauer? Yeah, Rutger Hauer. I mean, he's incredible. I've seen him be more menacing, though. I'm like, why? Yeah. What? He was really flat, too. Yeah. Yeah. There was, like... There's one scene where I felt like he was chilling enough, and that was like the scene where she goes to bed, and I I I like the way that that's staged, where because obviously it's like it's her in and her dream, dream world, yeah, and she's in a dream, like. but it but she goes to bed and she basically like crawls into his arms, yeah, and that's really chilling, yeah, like I liked that, like I wish that the movie had more. Yeah. Abstractness to it. Well, that's a thing. Yeah, that's that scene is like a quintessential like Joss Whedon right. dream scene. Like Joss Whedon is a master of the dream mm-hmm. scene. Um, it's like every every time he ever portrays dreams in specifically in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, there's there's quite a few dreams yeah. in that show. And um, yeah, Joss Whedon always knows how to how to tap into that just sort of like nonlinear like right. way of perceiving the world and and making that real on the screen um let's go into the first of our gsv segments this one's called shots 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 we're talking about the gratuitous violence in this movie yeah yeah how many deaths will we say are in this movie are we gonna say deaths of vampires and deaths of humans or all deaths total oh my god Uh, I'm gonna give it, I'm gonna do like a, 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 a to, to the nearest, I'm gonna do like to the nearest range of 10. I'm gonna say like, I'm gonna say 40 to 5th. No, I'm gonna say thir- uh, 30 to 40. No. Yeah, 30 to 40. I'm really surprised that you went high with this. I, I was too high? Yeah. Damn. 
Because there really, when you I mean there's really not a lot of death going on. That's another way that this movie's kind of flat. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. Well, especially because of how disposable the vampires is. Yeah. And again, I, I don't know how much of this is me imposing, like, you know, what I remember of the show. Because right. obviously, like, in the show, like, because it's an ongoing action show mm-hmm. and Buffy needs she kills to at a least, lot. Yeah, Buffy kills <laughs> a fuck ton of vampires in that show. It's like, it, like, almost becomes a joke unto itself because of just, like, you know, the you know, every other episode opens with a generic brawl in a graveyard and she, you know, dusts four vampires. Also, I miss the dusting. The dusting would would have made it easier to keep track of who was dying. It would have. Yeah, (laughs) totally. Um, I am glad that we did get a, 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 a graveyard brawl though. Yeah, that's like that's quintessential. Yeah, pretty iconic. Oh, also, I was I was glad to see the leather jacket over white dance dress. Right. Look, I I was really thrilled that that had its origin in Mm -hmm. this movie um, before finally making its appearance in uh, the season one finale of the show Mm -hmm. Prophecy Girl. Um, Yeah, because that's that's definitely a very a very iconic Buffy oh, look, yeah. and um, oh, yeah. so it was. It was cool to see that you know be something from the movie that survived of the show. So the movie only has twenty deaths. Twenty. I well, say. I know. say only, but you know, <laughs> we've so seen we've seen movies with less. It has more deaths than Halloween. <laughs> yeah, it does. Boy, Halloween that sucked. Huh? Only five deaths. Uh, like yeah. So yeah, only twenty deaths. Most of them Buffy's responsible for. Yeah. Uh, another way I feel like, you know, again, I generally do like Christy Swanson as Buffy. She did pretty well for the for the movie that we have. Yeah. Um, but another way that, that the Buffy in the movie and the Buffy in the show kind of differ is that I feel like when I look at Christy Swanson, I'm like, yeah, that girl can kick some ass. And Sarah Michelle Gellar, it's kind of more cool. Like, it's more of a superhero thing because I don't... I think that she is not. I gotta look at her, and I'm like, oh, she doesn't look like she could kick ass, and then she does kick ass. Does that make sense? Like, I, I, yeah, I think I know. I, I think I know what you're saying. Like, yeah, I, th- I think that, like, yeah, um, Sarah Michelle Gellar's character is not necessarily. Or I think there's. Well, I think that Christy Swanson's take on Buffy is that we we see we see a lot of transition in her character right. between like when she is this kind of you know frivolous sort of valley girl yeah. archetype yeah um and and as she kind of gets you know more involved in the work of the slayer it 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 changes her whole demeanor yeah. and we do kind of see that um, and, and so, yeah, we do kind of see that sort of shift in how she carries herself by mm-hmm. the end of the movie that she's, like, more sure of herself. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that and is... she's also, some... like, generally more muscular, I think, too. Like, yeah, she, she's, she yeah, feels she, more powerful, Yeah, yeah, she's, she's definitely built more muscularly. And I, and I think it is a little more clear in, um, in the case of the show that, like, um, there's a super... There is more of a supernatural right. element to Sarah Michelle Gellar that, mm-hmm. like, her punches are just supernaturally right. strong. Um, and because and she does have, like, a, you know, a more petite frame. Um, the one thing I would say, though, is that I do think that by by the very later seasons of Buffy, um, when it's clear that, like... They've 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 built on like a whole seven seasons worth of collective trauma for her. Mm-hmm. I do think that we do start to see more of that like sort of somber, tough 
exterior to Buffy as well. Oh, I think so. so I, I think we do see more of that in her. I by think the emotionally. I think emotionally, yeah. she's there. Yeah, yeah, I'm talking more of like from a physical perspective. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Emotionally, I mean, even I think as a performer, I think that Sarah Michelle Gellar's got the emotion quality down. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and again, it's like you know, it's it's partially just a benefit of like it's a TV show, so there's a lot more room to right. run with it. But also, like I think that like she she really taps into so much more psychological complexity. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, I do though think that I do actually have you know give a lot of credit to Christy Swanson for how. How much she did with it in terms mm-hmm. of I, I was really moved by kind of how how as she kind of like she she does actually do a very good job of like selling this kind of realization that like you know her life is different forever right um, and and uh yeah I think she she really does she really does nail that aspect mm-hmm. of the character which I think is is a really important part of the character because it is just this kind of like you know this this being forced to grow up way too fast and right. and to do so in a way that's like not actually necessarily good for you. It like is a coming in, of age story. Yeah, it's a coming of age thing. Um, Whereas, yeah. like in in Buffy the show, she pretty much comes on fully realized as the Slayer. Like, there's still a lot of like growing for her to do as a character. Yeah, but she but she knows she's the Slayer. She's accepted it. And yeah. she's there to kick ass from like the very beginning. Yeah, for sure. Whereas like Chrissy Swanson, like actually, like you said, like she has to grow into it. Yeah. Um, what did you think about like we talked about the dusting, you know? And I know that one of the weak points for me is the we kind of talked about it, the action in general. Yeah. But what did you think about like the the vampire effects and how they compare to the TV show? Like in this one, like in the TV show, they first of all they change and they become they have like a monster face like that they go into. Yeah. And in this it, one, it's really just fangs and notched ears. Yeah. It, it the the way they they do it in this show kind of kills a lot of the suspension of disbelief because like why would you not have noticed that you know, one of the members of your football team that's now like doing a lot of crazy shit basketball. on the field. Sorry, basketball. <laughs> Sports ball. <sighs> Look, whatever. Whatever. Um but like yeah, that that you wouldn't notice that somebody on your team has these weird ass notched ears and has big ass fucking fang teeth, mm-hmm. like yeah, it just kind of kills some of the disbelief. So, so I like and and I like that aspect of the television show that you know because I I think that's also more the the way they're portrayed in the show is also much more in touch with like the uh, the sort of the 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 broader cultural understanding of the lore around mm-hmm. vampires that like they are they are seducers and that right. that that a big part of how they feed is that they they know how to draw people mm-hmm. in by being you know all mysterious and attractive and stuff like that and like these vampires in this fucking movie are just goofy yeah. as hell except for Lothar he's the only one who can seduce people apparently exactly yeah he's <laughs> he is the only person who is a vampire that feels like a believable vampire right. and like he he you know again they, they they misuse the incredible actor that they have on their yeah, hands but did. like um but he's the only one that delivers any semblance of gravitas and 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 you know has charisma and uses the charisma everybody else they're just snarling mm. and and being all goofy and and like you know just 
horrible attention spans. And One thing like that. that was kind of annoying to me, and I don't know that if the decision behind this was because they just weren't confident in how to pull off the fighting scenes or what, but I noticed that there was a lot of action that took place off camera. Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, we we kind of touched on this a little bit. I do think it's a lack of resources. Mm-hmm. Like on the one hand, like it's not necessarily like it's not necessarily like it would be that much more expensive for like visual effects, but like you know, like stunt coordination does kind of take a team, and you do need to hire like a team of stunt people to like work through these things and to spend the time blocking out these fights. So when I see something like this movie where A, the fights that we're seeing on screen are fairly lackluster, and then B, a lot of the action is obscured off camera, mm-hmm. what that says to me is that they, for whatever reason, didn't have the time in production. And didn't have the resources to commit to investing time in figuring out, like, how to position all the fighters, how to position the cameras, how to make sure that you're getting clean, clear cuts of what this action is and how it's supposed to look good and look like a fight and all that stuff. So, yeah, to me, I mean, my guess just from watching it is that, yeah, they just kind of didn't have the resources to commit to it. But we have seen low-budget maybe even cheaper movies that show quite a bit of fighting. Even if it's bad fighting, they still show it, right? The Warrior and the Sorceress, Deathstalker. Yeah. Uh, You didn't watch this movie, but Steven and I watched American Ninja, and that one was pretty low budget, and they had, like, ninja action up the wazoo, (laughs) you know? Yeah. I mean, again, I think it's... uh, I'm not sure where the decisions came from, but, like... You know, and and again, maybe it's not maybe it's not a budgetary thing, but like whatever it is, it, it's it. You need time. You need you need to invest time. Like, do you, you need, think yeah. maybe it was the focus on comedy instead of the darkness, where they like purposely say, "Let's focus on the reactions instead of the action." Maybe if that is, I mean, like it's just I don't know. Like, even if you're making a comedy movie, like if your comedy movie is about a person whose job is to fight and kill vampires, mm-hmm. then like you still have to go into it knowing that you have to portray that somehow. You would think so. Yeah, like the yeah, the fact that the fighting is as lackluster as it was, like, kind of boggles my mind. Yeah, honestly. it like, is kind of boggling. Uh, and and again, I'm trying to be cognizant of how much of that has to do with just what I understand of the show, because like by the and and I mean also a big part of it too is that like you know by the time they got around to the show, like you know it's it's almost kind of a rote process because like, you know, they've got their team of stunt coordinators. They have like a group of stunt performers who they work with regularly. So it's like a lot of it is that like they learned over a process of reiteration, like, okay, this is what we need. These Mm -hmm. are going to be the wide shots for the stunt performers. These are the tight shots for the actors. And like, so, so they, they, you know, they, by, you know, over a season, they, you know, drilled it down into a, into a practice. And on the show, the show's a good example because I feel like the, the early seasons, especially season one, 
does have rather lackluster action compared to the later seasons. Yeah. But it's never like like this movie. Like it's they're never afraid to show action scenes. Well, exactly. Yeah. Like one of the things that I remember from watching the show, and th- and this was like even in seasons like two and three, that like I like you know for some of the like big fight sequences and there are a lot of big fight sequences in both of those seasons that like I remember like I remember like getting to a point where as I was watching those seasons like I I was able to see very clearly the difference between like the tight shots that are meant to highlight the details of the actors because the actors are in frame and then you'd have like the wider shots that are clearly the stunt double shots so it's like so is it and it's like yeah I can see that that's what's going on but at the same time it's like oh but like you know yeah I notice it and then I am able to just as easily dismiss it mm-hmm. because you know uh, the point is to see the fight and mm-hmm. um, yeah for whatever reason they just didn't didn't feel it was worth it to invest the time and and I saw in the credits that there were stunt performers right. so yeah. it seemed like they had stunt people quite a few to do some work but. Yeah, I don't know why they didn't. Yeah, I'm not sure what what they what they felt. They yeah. were able. They were able to crash a truck into a tree. They were able to do that. Yeah, they were. They could do that stunt. So I don't know. I uh, don't know what the deal is. Let's go into the next uh, GSV segment. This one's called Boob Tube. There's no nudity, but uh, there's a little bit of sexiness, you know. There's a little sexiness. There's a little, you know, romance. There's there's yeah. There's Buffy's relationship with Jeffrey. Jeremy. The first boyfriend? Yeah, the first boyfriend. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Douchebag? I don't know. Yeah, kind of kind of douchey guy who's very oddly possessive of her. And, and whose best friend is a complete jerk-off also. Yeah, his best friend... Yeah, his best friend is very inappropriate with her. And, and then he's like hands off my stuff or whatever like, oh yeah yeah like both of them are really not doing great jeffrey um, for sure yeah jeffrey um and then but, her, but her and luke you know have some sweet moments yeah yeah there's a little there's definitely a fair amount of tension between them um, pike i like that name that's a very that's also a very joss whedon name yeah pike, pike yeah pike yeah <laughs> um yeah yeah <laughs> i agree i agree um what did you feel about the way that their relationship kind of blossoms in the in the during the movie, the romance? I think that like I think the actors did a good job of I think kind of capturing that sense of like natural chemistry between them, but they did not have a lot of help from the script it didn't feel right. like. Yeah. Like it again, it felt very underbaked. Yeah. And um like I kind of bought into it. Like I think I think that uh, that that both of them, yeah. Like it, it made sense that they were that they were developing a connection, um, and I think it and it works in terms of the story because like it makes sense that for Buffy to kind of be having these realizations that the things she thinks are important are suddenly not important. Right. Yeah. It makes Part sense. Of the that it, it, it makes sense that she is also forming a connection with a person who she maybe initially had a different, 
perception of now that she's in, encountered this person in a different circumstance. Right. And so so I think that like there there is room for that connection in the script and I think that the actors did a good job of like sort of, you know, just yeah, letting letting that chemistry sort of naturally build. Um but it it would have been nice if if the script gave it a little help. Uh, and and again, it's like it's tough because you have to do it in a 90-minute movie, so mm. you don't necessarily have a lot of time like you do in the show to yeah. let characters, you know, build up that chemistry. So you kind of have to decide how explicit you want to be versus how much you want to kind of just like let it naturally develop. Mm-hmm. Um, but it kind of falls into the whole like, well, the girl has to end up with a guy by the end of the movie yeah. thing, too. So you could help it along a little. You could help though. it along a little bit, yeah. but but I believed it. I certainly didn't have a problem believing it. And, you know, it makes sense. What did you how did the Obviously, Joss Whedon is one of those guys that he's known for having and writing strong female characters. Yeah. And Buffy is one of those characters, especially on the show. How did how do you think that the female characters in general... We did talk a little bit already about Chrissy Swanson as Buffy. But how did you feel like the, the female characters... And we can talk about her some more, but the female characters in general were treated by the script and the filmmakers. I would say that this one was, yeah, uh, uh, where where I feel like I want to bring up my favorite term, underbaked, again, uh-huh. in this one. Um, I think that there didn't, it didn't feel like there was that much of a distinction between the other friends in Buffy's friends group. Hmm. With the exception, maybe, of Hilary Swank's character, but I don't know how much of that is that I just recognize that that's Hilary Swank. Right. And, and she definitely, I think, was kind of, you know, she she found a way to kind of do her own thing. She got into character. it the most, definitely. Um, but, like, on a, on a textual basis, it didn't really feel like there was that much distinction. Like, right. it's, it's clear that the script, like, even before Buffy really kind of, you know, is is explicitly pulled into slaying for the first time... They the script does make a distinction between Buffy and the other characters that like she is kind of like she's kind of into the same sort of, you know, quote unquote frivolous things that her friends are, but also is like a little sharper than them in many ways. And they're like kind of different ways that. They that that her that her own kind of you know common sense sort of shines through in a way that it doesn't for her friends, and we I, find them kind of excluding her from the beginning, like with the whole uh, leather jacket thing. Yeah, that's the other thing too. That like yeah, it's it's clear that they're kind of more leaning into uh, like. Yeah, a little more of an exclusionary mean thing, girl kind of mean thing. girl kind of thing, which Buffy does a little bit too. Right. Um, the thing is, like, those are, like, the only other prominent female characters yeah. in the film. Yeah. So, on that level, that's not really that great mm-hmm. in terms of this first effort at portraying female characters. Like, that it's basically a group of four valley girls, one of whom is slightly less valley girl than the other <laughs> ones. Like... Not that great, right? Not that great. Um, and and that's part. So of, yeah, underbaked. I like Very how, underbaked. I like how that a part of that trope was carried to the show of uh, in terms of Buffy, where like Buffy's not necessarily the smartest person, 
but she makes up for it with like bravery. She's basically a Gryffindor, right? Like yeah, she's uh, totally a Gryffindor. Um, yeah. so but I feel like in this movie, yeah, it's like she's not smart, but she's also like very materialistic and all that. And and that's the like one good change. One of the good changes that they did to the character, and and, and the relationship with the mom is. Uh, where my mind goes to the highlight that because the mom in this it seems to be very vacuous and materialistic also and doesn't give a shit about Buffy yeah but then in the show Buffy yeah she might not be the smartest but but from the very beginning I feel like she does have a very strong heart a very strong sense of like yeah what's right and wrong and part of that comes from her home her home life because her mom is very loving on on the show and they yeah, have a really well, good relationship yeah what well, and and yeah that's the other thing too is that like yeah by the time we get to the show like the the whole dynamic between buffy and her mom is like on a whole different level yeah. like her mother is uh is uh, i would say probably one of the best written mother characters yeah, i've seen in I any would, tv I agree. show yeah um, her mom's great like yeah, it's it's a really really nuanced role. Um, both just really well written, um, and 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 part of it is that it's loaded with that history because mm-hmm. by this point in the show, Buffy has already had trouble in her previous school right. because of the fact that she already knows she's the Slayer. Right. Um, and and so yeah, the way the way they they really. Yeah, they really flesh out that relationship that, like, there's a lot of love there, but also a lot of, like, concern to concern over something that's kind of out of her control, too. Right. So, um, so yeah, that that element is is missing completely from this. There's just not really any nuance yeah. to any of the female yeah. characters or their relationships. Yeah, really they're very, like, movie. two-dimensional in a way. Yeah, yeah. Buffy's really the only one who is three-dimensional in this mm-hmm. film, and, uh, yeah. The character of Amelyn, um, or Amelyn, I don't know how you pronounce it, um, who was originally supposed to be played by a, a female, supposedly a female vampire, um, hmm. and then the actress dropped out and they recast it with Paul Rubens, who, again, we know him better as uh, Pee Wee Herman, um, so a lot of people, a lot of critics at the time, they singled out Paul Rubens and Christy Swanson as the strongest parts of the movie. When I see it now, and and granted, I do like Paul Rubens as a performer. I I'm I'm generally a fan of Pee Wee Herman. I I think it's you know it's Tim Tim Burton's movie is 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 on a whole other level. It's great. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um. And his work, he's the he's done very interesting work. Amelyn is not one of them for me. I I thought that the character, especially the way that he portrayed it, was really weird because I felt like I felt like he didn't quite know what movie he was in. Yeah, yeah. I I almost don't want to necessarily throw too much of that blame at his feet, right? Because I think that 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 that's a big part of the broader tonal problem. Because he is the vampire who we actually kind of get the most screen yeah, time exactly. out of, more so yeah. even than Lothos's right. character, and so he is doing this kind of goofy thing that all of the other vampires are doing as well. And he's just kind of doing it the most. Right. He does it. He does that thing. The best of all of them, because he is such an accomplished comedic actor. Right. Um, but it's just kind of, I think more an issue of like, kind of, 
poor direction. Yeah. Like, it leads to some funny bits. Yeah. Like, I do think that, you know, the visual gag of him getting stabbed and then he falls and then he gets up right. and kind of does the, you know, the death throws. Yeah, the overacted fun- death. Yeah, the overacted death <laughs> thing. Like, I love me a good overacted death. Right. I think it's a fucking hilarious visual gag. And he does it well. It yeah. was just so, like... Out of Again, place. The, it's just sort of out of nowhere, yeah. and, and and especially the movie is dragging, and it's the climax of the movie. Yeah, because it's supposed to be like this intense seduction thing between her and Lothos, and then we get this bit in the middle of it. He pops up in the middle of it, like so. Uh, yeah, I think. Yeah, it's fine. It's a fine performance on its own. Not that fine for the movie. Hmm. Let's go into our last segment. This one's called. Uh, that's problematic. Okay, so what's problematic about this movie? What did we find? Well, uh, again, incredibly, incredibly white movie. Very for white. Southern California. Um, right? Yeah. And the thing about these kind of movies, we've kind of touched on this before, but I just got to say it. like, Because I feel like we do get the token casting a little bit in the extras. We have a few Asian characters. We have like one or two black characters. None of them main. I'm not saying this is a good thing. But the one thing that we really don't get any of are Latinx characters. And if you're in Southern California, that's like pretty much 50% of the population. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) No, I mean, the thing is too, like I, I know that like, Certainly, there is, like, I think, you know, a community segregation thing yeah. in California. And I know that, like, you know, it's like there there is, like, a white zip code and right. a not white zip code. So, so it could be that a big part of it is that, like, they are portraying a, a particularly white school that re- exists in a white zip code. But again, it's like, yeah, it's still Southern California. You so should like, have a few. There, there should, yeah, there should be, there should be more diversity reflected in, in that school. That's a problem on the show too. The show is, is very white. Yeah. We do- I agree with that. Yeah. And, and definitely the show has, yeah, has a few, has has yeah a few a few touchy issues with uh, with uh, uh, char- uh, characters of color mm-hmm. as well. Um, so yeah, it it yeah. It it's, seems to be a problem in general with like again things that are set in Southern California. Like we've seen a few movies that are set in Southern California. We saw Society. We saw The Craft. Yeah, I feel like those were pretty predominantly white movies. Also, yeah, another show though you and I both enjoy, Veronica Mars, um, is also kind of falls into the trap. Even though there is slightly more diversity, but all the Latinx characters are in a biker gang. Yeah, <laughs> very much so. Yeah. Very much so. Yeah, yeah. I do. I do think. Yeah, Veronica Mars was a step in the right direction, and and certainly there there is a bit of nuance as far as their Latinx characters are concerned. But, yes, they are also all in a biker gang. <laughs> all of them. All of them. Yeah, it so, just makes me think, like, what, eh. what is this thing about Southern California that we're afraid to portray Latinx characters? Yeah. 
I don't understand. Like we're we're here. We we're alive, guys. Like we yeah. We can be funny. We can be heroic. <laughs> yeah. We can be anything you want us to be. Yeah. Put us in your movie. We're you know we'll we'll feed you tacos. Like we you know, what, what do you want from us? <laughs> you know. <laughs> what more you. do you want? I hear you. I hear you. Um, other than that, what did we find um, problematic? We we kind of talked about it more in the previous section, but again, I just I do think that like, yeah, the the female characterization in this film is not great mm. across the board. Um, so Joss Joss really like learned um, a lot about how to portray female characters. Yeah, yeah, I think he yeah he definitely got a lot better and developed more nuance now later in his career. I want to get your feeling on this that. We should have probably talked about this already, but it kind of made me think about it, about uh, about Fran, um, yeah. about Fran Kazooie's uh, involvement, because I've again, we've seen movies. This is one of the one of the questions that I asked at the very beginning of the episode. We've seen movies directed by women. Yeah. And they always seem to have like these very heavy female perspective, dis- like disregarding the quality level, even even if it's a bad movie, a good movie. They always seem to be very unabashedly feminine. And I like that about that. Like we talked about Tank Girl. Tank Girl had its problems, but it was definitely a celebration of womanhood. Yeah, I agree with that. This movie doesn't really feel like that to me. Not, not so much. I will say that I, I think that, um, that uh, Buffy Buffy goes through a, a, an interesting uh, arc of self actualization in this that um, is specifically that that I think is very physically represented in that scene where like the friend who has been like you know a, a jerk ass to her like who's always been like you know po- you know popping those crude jokes and smack slapping her right, like right. when he spanks her and yeah. The, hallway and she fucking flips him yeah. over and he immediately is like whoa i am sorry yeah. i should not have done that yeah which also i thought was just kind of like interesting that he did that because mm-hmm. like most of the time it feels like male characters are Get kind of trying to it. be like what you know what the fuck right. like oh you fucking you yeah. fucking hard ass, you fucking bitch, right. or whatever. Like so, so that was interesting to kind of have that moment happen, and then him be like, "Whoa, I'm sorry, right. I did that." Yeah. Um, I I, I kind of liked that. Yeah, touch I like to it too. It. Um, and and then for, and then for her to kind of also shrug off Jeffrey's attempt to intercede on her behalf mm-hmm. as well. So it, it was clear that like the movie did make a point of her coming into her own on many different levels Mm -hmm. as it progressed. Um, But, yeah, it just, I feel like this movie is so flat on the whole, and, like, the most fleshed-out aspects of the movie are kind of the beginnings of the lore coming into place. So I feel like there's not there's not as much room for actual character development in it. Yeah, I agree. And so, like, you know, you, you know, the, like, you, what, 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 what feminine perspective can you bring to the movie if you aren't even developing the characters to begin with, mm-hmm. male or female? Right. Um, right. So, 
So yeah, but I she mean, helped, but she helped Joss develop the character though. Yeah, she, yeah, she did. Um, and again, I think I think much of it can be chalked up to just like that. This is obviously a character that they conceived in a it, that it, it's a very early phase yeah. of development, and it feels like it feels like this movie just kind of. It, it almost feels like this movie came out before it was ready, in a way, you yeah. know? Like, it just it was. It was like, yeah, they, yeah, they, the, the character needed more time to gestate and mm-hmm. needed more time to work out those details and needed more, needed more room to run, as we see with the show, so. Yeah, I can, I can get behind that. I agree with that. Yeah. So, uh, we're wrapping up our discussion of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. So... You know, obviously, there's like two ways that we can judge this. We can judge this, try to judge this movie on its own or in comparison to the show. But what do you think? Is, is it a good movie? Is it a, 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 a so-so movie? A, a, a bad movie? A great movie? What do you think? <laughs> um, you know, bearing in mind all of the immense love that I have for the show and for the fact that this entry, you know, was the first step on that journey. Mm-hmm. I'm honestly gonna, I'm honestly gonna call this one so, so verging on bad. Uh, okay. Um, which, which might be a little harsh. Um, I think that it, it, it doesn't get full bad movie solely based on the half of the script that gave serious attention to certain aspects of the characters, Mm -hmm. and especially to the fact that I do think that Buffy's character is in a pretty good place Mm -hmm. in terms of how fleshed out her arc is, her personal arc Mm -hmm. is in this movie, and also that I think Chrissy Swanson? Christy Swanson. Specifically, how Christy Swanson portrayed her character's growth in this movie. I think it was a pretty good performance. I do like Christy Swanson in the movie. Um, That said, I think that the rest of it is a pretty big tonal mess, and um, the action didn't even try to live up to anything remotely in line with what the script demanded Mm -hmm. to be portrayed. So... Yeah, it's kind of so-so verging on that for me. Now, the Kazooies are currently in talks with maybe rebooting the movie. Rebooting? Oh, like doing a new Buffy movie. A new Buffy movie, which would be interesting. Because I I, I kind of I agree with what you say, except that I'm going to go slightly the other way and say that it's a bad movie verging on so-so. Okay, okay. Um, I, I thought you were going to rate it a little more positively than me, so I'm impressed. But, I, uh, go ahead. I enjoy the movie, from again, from the perspective of someone who loves the show. Yeah. But if I look at the movie objectively, yeah, it's a bad movie. Yeah. But it's verging on so-so. It's not a total write-off. Yeah. It's not blood rain level. Nothing yeah. like that. Um. There are positives in it. Christy Swanson is one of the positives. I do like her performance a lot. And uh, I actually would have liked to maybe seen a version where she played a char- the character uh, more closely developed to how we saw it in the show 
and kind of like I wanted to give her that chance, you know, to maybe yeah. have a more nuanced take on it to see because she did a pretty good job with what she got. I yeah. felt, and um, and and she created like you said, like some of the iconic looks of Buffy, yeah, and that carries over. And without her performance and without this movie, we wouldn't get the TV show. Yeah, for sure. So there's a lot of like good legacy in the movie. Um, but another reason why I feel like it's a bad movie is because like other than her, I feel like all the other actors are pretty underused. And maybe that's because the characters are underdeveloped, but I also feel like just the actors are underused. I feel yeah. like... Uh, Rutger Hauer is definitely underused. Mm-hmm. I feel like Donald Sutherland, he might have underused himself, honestly, because it sounds like he kind of sabotaged his role. Yeah, so- sounds like he needed to spend a little less time <laughs> writing and a little more time acting, right. you know what I'm saying? Exactly. Like, looking, you're hired to act, not there to were, write. There like, were interesting on. bits in yeah. his character, but compared to like all the great watcher stuff in Buffy, like he he should have been more quippy, should have been more into it, like yeah. a little more banter between him and Buffy, you know? Yeah. It's- also, also, it's just like I mean, just like from from my perspective, just from from my my life of acting training, like. <laughs> Leaving aside, you know, my own admiration for Joss Whedon's ability as a writer, like, I just, I like, I I am baffled by just, like, the idea of actors just demanding that they get to rewrite their shit. Like, that just, like, makes no sense to me. Like, my, like, my whole personal perception of the whole hierarchy is just completely different. Some actors do have that power. And, yeah, that's the thing, is that I get that, I get that some actors come at that And Donald Sutherland had, at this point in his career, and versus Joss Whedon, he would have had that power. Yeah, and I get, and I do get that. It's just... And sometimes it works, like, hey. Sometimes like, it does work. Like, in I, Star Wars, like, obviously, the, you Alec know, all Guinness. the, all, yeah, Alec Guinness, for sure, and I think all the actors, to an extent, did kind of, you know, right, take some thing. liberties with George Lucas's script, and, and it helped, and it all contributed to making Star Wars what it was. I so. feel, yeah, I feel like that's the thing, like, I, th- I feel like a good actor almost has to be a good editor sometimes because I feel like the job of the editor is to take everything that the filmmakers filmed and make sense of it. And I feel like the job of an actor is to take all the words that the writer gives to you and make sense of it. Yeah. And you have to know where your performance strengths are. And if you can't say a line as written and you can say it more you a different way, more naturally, then absolutely, I feel like, yeah, you should rewrite it in that sense. But I feel like a a good writer and a good actor will find a way to make a line work as long as they're both putting in good work. That's what yeah. I'm saying. That's the caveat, right? Yeah. Like, like if you're, for, for example, like if you're an actor and you're in a Quentin Tarantino movie, there's very little ad-libbing that happens, but that's only because like the style is already like so strong and chewy yeah. that it gives the actor a lot of things to do with it, you know? Yeah. But I, I think a good actor needs to realize that. It needs to know what type of project can I come in and shake up and do I need to? And I feel like a Joss Whedon project, for the most part, will probably not need a lot of that because the characters are written in a very specific style. And I think a good actor 
would come in and recognize that. And I'm not, I'm not saying that Donald Sutherland is not a good actor. He's definitely a great actor, but he's maybe a little bit too into himself in this project or this uh, yeah, time. Yeah, that's what I wonder. But um, anyways, that was a tangent. No, it's a great tangent yeah. because that's one of the weaknesses of the movie. I feel like yeah. the the movie does, sort of doesn't have it lacks a sense of identity, honestly. Yeah. And I feel like it's because like, what are we watching? Is it a comedy? Is it a dark fantasy? Like, what is this? Is yeah. it an action movie with very little action? Tough to say. Yeah. What is this? I will let you know what my favorite part of the movie is. Please do. And it's the beginning. It's like the pre-credits little bit where we get the. The, the the little summary of the story of the Slayer because it reminds me of the exact same sequence on the TV show. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I, I smiled at that. It gave me so much hope. Yeah. Like, oh, wow, if they're doing the gruff voice of, you know, in every generation. Right. Uh, not quite that line exactly, yeah. but like, you know, doing that Pretty little much. thing. I was like, oh, hey, it's that thing. Yeah. It is Buffy. Um then it wasn't. Me too. It, kind of, it, it makes really me. Was. That's the part of the movie that makes me smile and makes me be like, oh yes, that's why I love this this show and these characters. Yeah, yeah. But I don't get it from the rest of the bit. No. So it's it's a little bit of a letdown, but it's still Indeed. fun to watch in the context. So anyways, that brings us to another end to uh, the episode of Gratuitous Sex and Violence. Thank you for watching. Buffy the Vampire Slayer for finally watching Buffy the Vampire Slayer with me. Mm-hmm. Ever the Watcher. Happy to do it. <laughs> well, we hope that you join me for another discussion, and we hope that you guys out there join us when uh, we watch another uh, schlocky masterpiece and dissect it and play some games. Until then, in every generation, there is a viewer who goes out and watches movies that could be you. I hope we're going to have some gratuitous sex and violence. You guys always bring me the very best violence. No relationship. No emotion. Just sex. No relationship, no emotion, just